Welcome to Petrifaction. I'm your host, Petey. And if you like stories about ghosts, monsters, vampires, the weird and mysterious, UFOs, Bigfoot, and other cryptids, you're in the right place. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Remember, friends, be prepared to be petrified. Hello friends, this is Petey, and you have found Petrifaction. I want to welcome you to Haunted October. Oh, I'm so excited. I've been waiting a long time for this. So get comfy, settle back in your seat, make sure your doors are locked, maybe turn some lights on. Get ready for some terrific hauntings. This is the story of the ghost who left bruises. John Stewart reached out to us with a much more sinister story of a haunted home. It all started when he met the woman he wanted to spend the rest of his life with. They both had their own homes, and every time John visited hers, he felt uncomfortable. It was as if he were constantly being watched. It got to the point that I would spin around expecting somebody to be there, he said when nobody ever was. Whenever he visited the house, strange things happened. Doors slammed upstairs when he was in the house alone downstairs and all the windows were shut. He'd feel the weight of a body sitting on the foot of the bed. When John and his partner decided to move in together, he made it clear he would not move into her house. But he agreed to help her renovate so that they could get a better price when they sold it. And that's when things got really serious. The minute I started renovating, things started to ramp up, he said. It felt like someone in the basement was 
hitting the ceiling with a sledgehammer. He started to see shadow people in his peripheral vision, and his tools would go missing. Then, when he started renovations on the final room and upstairs bathroom, he saw objects levitating. He heard footsteps running toward him. All of a sudden, he felt as if he were covered in cobwebs and filled with an electrical charge. The longer he stood still, the more uncomfortable the feeling became. He finally managed to run from the room, but then felt the presence push him down the stairs. When he finished renovations, he was relieved. He could put the haunting behind him. Except he couldn't. Except he couldn't. The next thing I know, he said, I was watching TV at my house, and from the wall next to it, out walks this shadow person right into my living room. The visits became daily and then more frequent. John felt the presence push him. One night his foot was squeezed, so hard he had bruises the next day. Finally, he couldn't take it anymore. He called a paranormal group who came in to investigate, deciding that if they found nothing, he'd seek treatment from a psychiatrist. But the group found plentiful signs of paranormal activity, and John reframed the way he dealt with the activity. I was running away from it, he said. Now I run toward it. He does that in the form of his podcast, Phantom Faction. On Phantom Faction, he takes calls from people going through experiences similar to his own. Now, to hear John tell his story in his own words, you can listen to episode 360 of the Campfire Podcast. The Demon of Brownsville Road, a Pittsburgh family's battle with evil in their home, by Bob Cranmer and Erica Manfred. The house located on Brownsville Road in Brentwood a suburb of Pittsburgh, was purchased by the Cranmer family in the early 1990s. The family consists of, of the parents, Bob and his wife Lisa, and their four children, Jessica the eldest, followed by Bobby, David, and Charlie. This is about their experiences in the house. These things happened to them and went on for years. Before getting into the events that happened to the Cranmers, they knew from the beginning that something was going on in the house. At first, the things were just baffling, 
And they weren't really even scary, just kind of interesting. And the family referred to the activity not even as a haunting, but simply as they're being visited by Casper, the friendly ghost. As time went by, things changed, and it became more aggressive and more scary. Often you hear of haunted houses. Why didn't they leave? And so the Cranmer family did try to leave. The area of Brentwood was really not a place that most people wanted to live. The house was placed for sale on more than one occasion as the family tried to get away from it, but they were never able to get buyers. In effect, it left them stuck with the problem. And secondly, it followed them. When they would leave, like to travel for a vacation, or a few years into it when they had a cabin 80 miles away in rural Pennsylvania, a cabin that they referred to as their cottage at the lake, the thing harassing them went with them. They could run, but more than likely, it, it would follow them. And lastly, was it right to sell the house to another family? They knew what was happening. Would it be fair to sell it to another family and to do to that family as it had been done to them? You buy a house expecting it to be your sanctuary. Would it be the morally right thing to do to sell this house to another family that possibly would be terrorized as well, like they had been experiencing. They decided it would be them to fight it and to clean the house. Some of the things that happened in the Cranmer house include the following. After just purchasing the house, while gardening, gardening at the corner of his new home, Bob dug up a box just six inches into the soil. In the box were rosary beads and several other religious items. He contacted the people he had purchased the house from, and unequivocally and without any explanations, they told him to put it back. A light in a closet he used to keep his work coat, a men's dress coat, kept having the pull chain wrapped around it. At first, he thought it was just the wife or kids that did it. So one day, he locked the door after getting out his top coat, leaving the draw cord hanging neatly down. When he returned home from work, later that evening, the cord was, once again, wrapped around the light bulb. Now, how did this happen? He had the key with him, and there was no way either his wife or his children could have been in that closet. So that was one of the first mysteries to happen. Another weird happening occurred in the basement area of the home that contained an oil heating unit and to supplement the heating, a wood burner. There was also a project area consisting of a small workbench with a chair that was kept underneath it and he had a radio. Nightly, the basement would be checked before bed, making sure all the lights were off and everything was in its place. However, in the mornings, 
Bob would frequently find the lights were on again, the radio too, and when he would go down the stairs, he would find the chair sitting in the front of the wood burner as if someone had been sitting in front of the wood burner watching the fire. It affected electronic things. Clocks constantly stopped, as did watches, coffee pots, and microwaves. They would replace it, and the new one would act the same way. They replaced toasters for this reason, one after another, and oddly, plugs would constantly unplug themselves throughout the house. The computer the family owned constantly had glitches in it. Thinking it was obsolete, they got a new one. It was replaced with a new model, different company, and had the same exact things happen to this brand new computer. They had workers come in to check the lighting and the electrical wires in the house. They were told it was not a problem with the house wiring. So why did this continue to happen? And what was doing it? They knew that it wasn't them or the kids. Then things started to ramp up. They would hear loud knocking on the walls. In particular, the knocking would come from one of the kids' bedrooms, a room they referred to as the Blue Room. Well, it was blue. This was Bobby's bedroom, and the knocking would be followed by his bedroom door slamming. They would hear walking outside their bedroom doors up and down the hallways. And then the apparition started to appear in front of them. Bobby, terrified, told his parents he would see a humanoid figure that seemed to be filled with lightning bolts, but it had no face. And it would come into Bobby's room and look directly at him as he lay in his bed at night, and it terrified him. It would seemingly suck on that fear and eat it. It enjoyed the terror it caused this boy. Bobby was afraid they would not believe him, but they did. They had all at one time or another seen a dark shadow looming, and they had also seen something looking like a grim reaper lurking around the house. Every one of them had seen it. There were smells. Oftentimes, it moved around, and the smell was horrible. It was sulfur and burning tires mixed together, according to Lisa and Bob. It would smell so awful, it would make them sick. They would also feel cold spots that could happen anywhere inside of the house. The cold spots would be localized. You could walk right through it, and it was described as feeling as if you were walking through a freezer. Then the heavier, scarier, creepier things began to happen. Much like the Amityville horror case, the walls in the Cranmer's house began to bleed. They would find a foamy, smelly substance on the floors, tinged with blood, and Lisa thought that it was some sort of amniotic fluid, and the smell was horrific. Every family member experienced horrifying nightmares, and the eldest child, Jessica, experienced night terrors where she felt paralyzed and was then terrorized by an evil black mass that would approach her and stare at her while she was in bed and could not move. This happened to her many, many times. Other things that happened included 
furniture moving on its own. The doors to rooms, such as the bathroom, would lock from the inside and couldn't be reopened. Some doors that did not even have locks would close and lock themselves, keeping the family out of them. Bob received three deep scratches across his neck. Bobby had bite marks on his abdomen. Lisa was bitten on her left breast, and Charlie received scratches just like his father, but across his back. Visitors to the house also witnessed and experienced the things happening. The thing in the house affected Bobby, their oldest son, the most. He changed. He became violent and troublesome. He began to dress goth. He got, on, he got into many fights at school. He looked evil, and worse yet, he acted evil. He, he quit school altogether, and then he tried to commit suicide. Bob said of the situation, no one got along and no one liked each other. By the fall of 2004, not really knowing what to do about this situation, Bob Cranmer started to play the movie The Passion of the Christ on a television in a family room and he let it play on a loop over and over again 24-7 for seven and a half months straight. The Thing didn't like this movie and would flee whenever it was turned on. It would flee to different rooms. At one point, it played on and on in multiple rooms. Sometimes, they would play recordings of the rosary being said. Bob had enough and he and his wife Lisa spoke to a priest and asked for a house cleansing to be done. After hearing all the events happening in the house, the priest agreed to come and do a mass inside the house. This mass was a deliverance mass and it's not the same as an exorcism, but in its own right, it is a house cleansing and is quite powerful. There was little to no effect from the mass that he said, but the priest kept coming in and doing masses in the house with the family. After having so many masses said in the house with little effect, the priest suggested that it was time to call in more help. He told Bob to bring in an outside group that would be able to document the case. To be considered for an exorcism, the Catholic Church requires an out it requires for outside documentation to be done by a group that is not affiliated with the church. And this documentation is required for infestations of homes as well as uh, for people for possessions of people or um, oppression or anything like that the group suggested and re and asked the group that was suggested to Bob was called and asked to come in and they were the Penn State Paranormal Research Society Bob contacted the group and received a call back from Ryan Buell, the group's leader. The group would later become one of the first teams of ghost hunters to be put on television. Their show was called Paranormal State, and you can still watch past seasons on YouTube. 
but you'll not find the Cramner house here. One of the first things Bob insisted on with the group and anyone else who came in to investigate was that they would remain anonymous. There would be no publicity. One of the things that had to be done to document the house was its history. What they found is that the house had been used by a doctor who performed illegal abortions inside the house. He was often drunk and mistreated the women poorly. Many women died from his treatment and the fetuses were burned in the coal furnace in the basement. The ashes were then dumped in the backyard where a rose bush was later planted. One of the other things the PRS group found in the house was a secret room. They tore it open and found inside it pictures, three playing cards, a kid's toy, and a piece of amber. The toy belonged to one of the Cramner kids. It was a Lego block and they wondered how did it get in there. After opening the secret room, which PRS told the Cramners they felt it was the demon's place. New manifestations began to happen. There was more blood all over the walls, and it included the third-floor apartment, which up until this point had remained untouched. Also, foamy amniotic fluid appeared in the bathrooms and on the floors. PRS returned for a second investigation in 2005. On this return trip, it was to document occurrences to be reported to the church officials so an exorcism could be performed. Adam Bly, one of the team researchers, received three claw-like scratches across, across his forehead. It was recorded on video. He was awake when it happened, and others were witness to it, too. PRS submitted the report as promised. Meantime, things in the house continue daily. Even the pets sense things there too. And when the priests returned to perform a mass, they allowed the dogs and the cat to attend as well. In 2006, for the first time, Cramner now sees the black shadow thing. Immediately, he requested another mass be said, and it was set up. During this mass, Sandy the dog did what Bob referred to as the terminal stare, and the priest could make out a shadow. They began to command in Christ's name for it to leave. They cast it out in Christ's name, and they repeated prayers and told it, You will leave now in the name of Jesus Christ. This went on for some time, and the group present did not let up. And the more they said the prayers and demanded for it to leave, the more it faded, and eventually it was gone. The house filled with a sense of peace. The Cramners no longer experienced any of these things, even after many years have gone by. In, in 2012, seven years after the final Mass had been performed, Bob found out that the house was built on tribal lands. In the late 1700s, a massacre took place on the land involving the Native Americans who then occupied it. In more recent years, the house was turned into a bed and breakfast. 
It's decorated to look like a room out of Downton Abbey. And it opened in October of 2019. Bob says it's safe now. You'll find the home warm and inviting. If you're interested in staying at the house, I found it listed on Travelocity under Brownsville Roadhouse Bed and Breakfast. It's located at 3406 Brownsville Road, Brentwood, Pennsylvania. There are photos of the house on the site, and it really does look like it could be part of the set of Downton Abbey. that's all for today's podcast. I thank you for tuning in and I hope you liked the show. If you did, please tell a friend, give us a rating and hit subscribe. If you have a story you would like to share on Petrifaction, you can contact me at pd at petrifaction at protonmail.com. And remember to check out today's show notes for more information on today's stories. Please return next time to hear more stories and friends be prepared to be petrified.